Hey everybody, welcome to the Toowoomba Vineyard Church podcast. We are a brand new church here in Toowoomba, Queensland, and we are discovering the joy of following Jesus together. If you want to find out more about what we're up to, stick around at the end for the details. But in the meantime, we hope you enjoy this message. So we're talking about food today, but I'm not sure if it's just me. I feel like the coffee is extra strong today because I am like, I'm fine, I'm fine talking to you guys because it feels like I'm just chatting to some friends, but I'm like, is it the Holy Spirit or is it the coffee? Uh, it could be, oh yeah, who knows. Anyway, if you see me vibrate and like lift off the floor, just pull me back down. Uh, so I feel like Chris did a... Um, you did a great job last week of introing this new series. So Chris has already done that. Surprise the World um, is the new series that we're doing. It's based on this book by Mark Frost. Mike Frost, not Mike. Mark. Um, I have a printout of the front of his book. That's what it looks like. Um, it's a fantastic book. If you're anything like me, um, you're very, you could be very practical. I'm very practical. Um, and I like things that I can follow along with and that I can just kind of jump in and get it done. Um, I'm not, yeah, I'm just like, give me something practical that I can put my hands into um, and we'll see how we go. Anyway, so, um, right, before Jesus left the earth, he commissioned his followers um, to go and to take his message to the ends of the earth. So you can read that in Matthew 28. Um, it's a cracking passage um, and I feel like it's... Uh, pretty amazing that he would he'd kind of sum up his ministry in this in these few short verses um, for us to go and it's pretty much here's how to live your life so go do that um, and for some wild reason I, I think it's pretty amazing that Jesus thought that we would be up to the task of continuing this message um, isn't it cool that he uses his people the church to continue that mission of bringing the kingdom of God of seeing his rule and reign heaven come to earth I, I just think that's quite amazing because, honestly, I wouldn't choose me. Um, uh, but I think there's this problem, and I don't know if it's an actual problem or it's something we just kind of create in our heads, um, but we're not always so fantastic at this job of bringing the kingdom. I'm not sure if it's, again, just me or you, um, but I'm often not sure how to do it or I get weird and I make it strange in my head, and I make it much harder than it was ever meant to be. But one of the things that I just love about Jesus um, is the way that he just ate his way through his ministry. I like Luke 7, 34 says, the son of man, aka Jesus, came eating and drinking. And I'm like, I can get behind that. <laughs> so that's where we're going to sit today. We are going to sit with the theme of eating and drinking um, our way through the kingdom of God. Um, because I think Jesus was pretty practical. So um, before we talk about the food, uh, which is very important, I feel like there's this problem in the church. Um, we're really good at staying in our own bubble, aren't we, Chris? I'm very good at staying in my bubble. The bubble is warm and it's cosy and it's squishy and it's gooey and, um, and often this kind of Jesus bubble that we get stuck in, it's, it's, it's pretty good. Um, in a second, you can go to the side. Um, I think we get along fairly well. We, have, we generally have things in common, so it makes it easy to kind of be in that gooey, squishy place together. Um, and it's usually pretty nice 
to just be in our bubble. But if we look at Chris's slides from last week, um, he drew these wonderful little drawings. <laughs> so we have the church, the outside, and then we've got the gooey Christians in their little bubble. Um, and then if we go to the next one, uh, no, next one, we've got Jesus who hung out on the edge. Um, and if we go back again, we've got our unbelievers. Oh, I hate that word. You're right. It really sits wrong. But I like to think of it as people who are outside this kind of church bubble, are almost, it's almost like they're just they're searching, they're asking the questions, they're actually looking for Jesus, but they don't realise that they're looking for Jesus just yet. Um, and when we're in this little gooey bubble down here, I don't feel like it's the most welcoming place for poor old Mr Guy over here who's maybe, maybe just searching for answers. Um, but if we look at Jesus and where he sat, he sat right on the edge, which is quite a wild place to be, isn't it? But we saw him on the edge. He always made room for people. He made space for the guy on the edge. He pulled up a seat for that person. He made space for them in his life. It didn't matter who they were, what their story was. He always made space. And I think wherever Jesus is, then if we follow him, that's where we're supposed to be as well. Um, And the Jesus that I read about in the Bible, he was just disarmingly inviting. There was no kind of cosy bubble or in crowd. He just kind of blew that out of the water. And I love that I follow that Jesus and I want to be more like that. I love that he engaged in conversation and he ate food and he demonstrated and proclaimed his message of the kingdom of God coming near by just opening up a space for someone. And I wonder what it might look like if we all did the same thing. If we did what Jesus did, if we stood on the edge and we committed to creating a space for anyone to come into. Um, We're going to read the passage today. Um, I'm just going to say I've stolen from the Bible, but I've also stolen from Mike Frost's book. So um, it's 1 Corinthians 11, 23 to 28. If you want to pull it up or I'm just going to read it out loud. Okay. So it says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body of blood and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. Ooh. So... When I read that, um, I think the way that I read it, and you might hear hear this too, maybe this is just uh, how I grew up, but I hear it as when we have a meal together, do communion, but before you eat and drink, you need to check yourself, look inward, ask for forgiveness for any of that stuff that's maybe not so great, and then move on. Don't do it again. Choose to turn from it, which is wonderful. 
Um, but I was doing a bit of reading and a bit of listening. Mandy gave me a great John Mark Comer um, podcast to listen to on hospitality, which is just wonderful. Look it up on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast because it's, it's got some amazing information in there. Um, but he was, um, he was talking about Roman feasts and um, I noticed that Mike Frost also talks about Roman feasts in this book and I feel like understanding how a Roman feast would work gives us a better understanding of this passage. So um, I'm going to read about Roman feasts from, from this book. It says, um, a typical feast looked like this. Romans always maintained a ranking system at their feasts. There was a place of honour at the head of the dining table where the highest in rank were seated. The host and his wife sat at the head table with the guests of honour. The next in rank sat at the upper end and the third highest in social position sat at the lower end. The meal started with the servants conducting a ceremonial washing. Hello, Jesus washing feet. Thanks, Nancy. Um, moving from the highest, highest in rank and ending with the lowest. The servants then draped the members of the dinner party with a wreath of flowers and offered them a goblet of wine. There followed a lavish meal consisting of three to seven courses. Sounds like they had a degustation. Do you reckon they did like small plates? Like you'd go, you'd get in a nice restaurant. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> um, guests ate seated on dining couches, low seats without backs and covered somewhere in my page that I've turned around the wrong way with, with rich fabrics that could seat four people. Usually there were three such couches. If there were more than 12 guests, the lowest ranked took places at other tables according to social status. It doesn't really sound like a meal I want to get involved in. I'm going to be like put in a place with my social status. Um, if we look earlier in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul actually has a go at the Corinthians for changing the way that their meals took place because um, meals were like, they're a big deal in Jewish times. And these meals were starting to look a whole lot more like these Roman feasts. It left the poor um, and hungry super marginalised, sitting out on the edges. So then if we go back to that passage, that 1 Corinthians 11 passage, um, perhaps we might hear it differently if we understand that context. I wonder if maybe the verse saying everyone must examine themselves before they eat, whether it's actually an invitation to consider who has been excluded from your meal. Sounds a little less judgy, more like who can I include in my life and at my table? Um, in Roman times, uh, the lowest two people groups were the tax collectors and the prostitutes. And who did Jesus hang out with? He loved the tax collectors and the prostitutes. We see it in Matthew 9, Mark 2, Luke 5. Um, and in, in Jesus' time, like, you would never eat with someone who was from a different social status. It just it didn't happen. You didn't cross over. But I love that he flipped it over on its head. Um, so I want to do a little visual exercise, which I've stolen from John Mark Comer. Um, so we're going to close our eyes. Closing your eyes. Put your hands up in the air. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, actually, I won't, I won't do that to you this time. So close your eyes. And just for a moment, um, have a think about who is at the bottom of your moral hierarchy in your mind. 
and be honest. I found this quite confronting. Who is your version of the tax collector or the prostitute? So now that you've got that in your head, now imagine Jesus going around to their place. He welcomes them in at the door. He washes their feet. He leads them to the table. He shares a meal that he spent hours slaving over. (laughs) He serves them. He pulls out the good wine. Maybe it's water and he turns it into wine. And now imagine your own table or wherever you would serve food. You've just set the table, you've prepared the food, you've vacuumed, uh, you've done the mad dash to hide like the piles of of clothes, clean or dirty. Um, (laughs) And there's a knock at the door. I want to ask, are we willing to stand on the edge of the cosy Christian bubble and make space for those marginalised, hungry or just lonely humans who I think desperately need Jesus? Um, You can open your eyes now. (laughs) Food's a big deal, right? It's this great equaliser. I think that's why it's one of my my joys is welcoming people into our home. It's just we're all food just means that everyone's on the same level. There's nothing between you except for plates of food. How good's that? Um, I'm going to share some stories of times that we've fed people uh, because we have done a lot of that because like I said, it is our great joy. I'm pretty sure that if there was a um, sixth love language, there's five love, love languages. So if there was a sixth one, food would be it. <laughs> it is five? Yes, yeah, so a six. Yeah. No, no, it's, it's yours, yeah. Yeah, Chris is a Labrador. If you want to love him, give him food. Um, <laughs> um, if you want me to love you, let me make you food. So it works very well. <laughs> um, so... Couple of little stories. When we lived in Sydney, um, we had the absolute privilege of leading this um, beautiful church community at Northridge. And I mean, because we loved food so much and we wanted everyone to participate in it, we started doing these community dinners. So pretty much, we do a shorter church service. We met in the evening, so it, it kind of worked worked for dinner. Um, but we would do a shorter church service, and then. Um, a few weeks before, we'd kind of get this roster going and we'd have, we'd have a theme. So it's going to be an Indian curry night. So we'd work out how many people were going to bring curries and how many people we needed to feed and um, who was going to bring the rice and who's going to bring the naan. And then every, it was kind of like an organised potluck dinner. So everyone would bring their food, pop it in the kitchen. We'd have people to serve everyone. And it was after the service, it was just an open invitation. Whoever wants to come can come. Whoever's in the room, you're welcome to stay. And it was just, I think, like Mandy, it was the, where the conversations really happened. It's where we got to know each other. It's where we got to ask things about people's lives that you wouldn't usually ask just on a Sunday. They're powerful times when we eat food together. Um, another one, another story for you um, that was a, maybe a bit of a lose situation, but ended up as a win. Um, So we lived in this tiny, tiny, tiny granny flat after we got married. We were there for six years, five years, something like that. 
Anyway, little. And we had been leading this church community for a little while, and we were like, hooray, we get to do baptisms. We have a pool. Let's host it at our place. We thought we would have 30 people. We catered food for 30 people, but 80 people turned up. <laughs> like so many people from all these different areas of life rocked up. The, the Christian bubble was just like everywhere. Um, <laughs> and it was amazing. And we were looking at this food and we're like, oh, we've only catered for 30 people. Quick, pray for the food. Um, and at the end of the night, we realized that the food had multiplied. No one had gone without. It's like Jesus had an agenda. He knew exactly who was going to be in that place at the time, and he made it just work. But people kept turning up for church after that, didn't they? Um, people met Jesus through that night, um, and some of them are still following. Some aren't. I think Jesus is all over that, so I don't think we need to particularly worry. But I think allowing, creating a space and allowing um, and loving people um, with food just allows Jesus to do amazing things in people's lives. Um, another story, uh, we had these, this amazing group of youth leaders uh, who were super tired. They were worn out. They were burnt, um, burnt out. Um, they were juggling all the things. And we just thought, you know, what if we created this space where they could um, become more excited about their faith we could help them understand the Bible a little bit better, but, you know, we could feed them because what kind of poor uni student turns down free food? <laughs> and so Chris put together the Bible study. I was like, yes, I get to feed people. And we did it for ages, didn't we? It was We had 12 weeks to start with and then we kind of opened it up to whoever wanted to come. But it was this amazing time where people fell in love with Jesus more. They found a safe place to do life together. Um, some went on to study, some dropped off um, the Jesus map. I think that's, that's the case in any part of life, right? But I think that when we open up our lives and we share meals with people, it just creates this safe place. It gives people an experience of the love and the generosity that the Father has given us. And who wouldn't want to give that away? Um, I think I've learnt doing, doing food that keeping things simple, like adding ex an extra place for a meal, um, it allows the kindness, the love and the bigness of God to break through in an ordinary act of eating. And it might just be the thing that causes someone to watch and ask questions eventually about how you live your life. So in keeping things simple, our challenge last week was to bless three people um, one of whom's not uh, a Christian yet. And this week's challenge is, I think, even more fun. Um, it's to eat with three people. I uh, want to encourage you to um, think about one person who is not a member of our church or a church or just isn't into Jesus. Um, but how can, you, how can you love someone through food this week? Um, so it could be, through having a coffee or going on a lunch break. It doesn't need to be like you have three different big dinners this week because um, that's just big and maybe a little too much. But um, maybe you could knock out three in one go. Uh, <laughs> but have a think about who are the three people this week that you can eat with, um, at least one who's not, doesn't know Jesus. So I'm going to pray for us.
then we're going to stop and have a little think about who that could be. And then we're going to invite the Holy Spirit because we like to do that. So, um, yeah, Jesus, I just thank you um, for today. I thank you for each person in this room and each person who isn't here. And Holy Spirit, we just invite you to um, bring to mind who you'd like us to, to share a meal with this week. And Jesus, I just love that you, you broke down all the social constructs. You didn't care about someone's status. You just cared about their heart. And so, Lord, I just ask that you would show each one of us how to just see the heart, how to just see the gold that you've put in your people and that you want us to call out. Um, yeah, just... Yeah. We just invite you to come and just move into Woomba. And I feel like food is such a simple place to start. I ask that you would create long banquet tables in this town, that people would just would come to tables all over the city and would eventually come to know you, Lord. We just, I feel like there's this stirring in the city, um, but I love that food gets to be a part of that and I love that we get to be a part of that. So we say, come, Holy Spirit, in our city, in our homes and in our families. Um, and thank you that we get to be a part of it. Amen. All right. Well, let's um, just take a moment. We might just take like two minutes have a think about who um, you want to, you're going to eat with this week. And if you're not sure, that's okay. Um, but then Chris, I'm happy to hop up and we'll just see what the Lord wants to do. Wow, you made it to the end. Good job. If you want to listen to more of our messages, just search out Toowoomba Vineyard Church wherever you listen to the podcast. You can also check out our website at tvc.org.au and find us on Insta at Toowoomba Vineyard. We'll chuck those links in the notes so you don't have to remember. That's all for now and hope you have an excellent week.